Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, how's it going? It's going. Just uh, just trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Surviving paternity leave and uh, getting ready for the move, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Life is uh, it's kind of a funny season, isn't it? Yeah, a lot going on. And then my entire family got sick last week. Uh, started, of course, through daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son got sick from someone else there and then brought it home. And, uh, you know, new baby got sick, unfortunately, but she's doing all right. And then my wife got really sick. She never gets sick, so... Hmm. It's been uh, it's been a whirlwind and it's been exhausting. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, I can only imagine. We were sick for the first time. It was like our first regular cold. I probably mentioned it, but like our first regular cold since pre-COVID, just a few weeks ago. And I forgot like how much it kind of takes out of you. <laughs> it's just so annoying. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's. I, I kind of forgot what it was like to be sick, and uh, definitely puts a drainer on trying not to get any work done. Especially yeah. with the whole family yeah. sick too. You're, when you're sick trying to take care of other sick people, it's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily for me, I guess I've gotten the most mild version of it, but it's funny too. I feel like you have to now, uh, in these times you have to preface it with saying, Oh, but it's, it wasn't COVID. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been dealing with. Not, not a lot of progress on the work front, but uh, just, just trying to survive. Like I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel you there. I feel like I you? haven't, yeah, I don't have like a ton of new things to update on. Um, I can talk through a couple of smaller things, but, uh, more recently, um, I, I'd known that I kind of wanted to do, I think for the next few months, I'm going to try out a couple different offers, but I wanted to try kind of a couple exclusive kind of promotions for spy files to, encourage new members and just have something on top of the membership where it's like, if you sign up now, you also get X, Y, and Z other thing that I can handle. That doesn't take a whole lot of time, but that is a clear value add for, for members. And it's a little bit more on like the consultative side of things, which I don't mind. And, um, so I had this idea for, uh, it's also kind of spurred out of this book, hundred million dollar offers, um, which is really, really good. And, I was just talking with a couple other people last week about it because I feel like a lot of the uh, very like acceptable kind of normal copywriting advice, especially in SaaS, is very much around um, you know figure out what the what the value is, and then like how does the feature amount to value, and so it's it's very straightforward. But then you if you layer on this third element, which is some sort of guarantee or risk reversal or contingency then it makes it even more interesting and it creates that urgency and like that extra thing that someone gets for them to act now. Um, and so I was trying to think of things like that. What kind of offers, what kind of hundred million dollar offers could I make for spy files and test some of them out. So the thing I came up with for this first one is, uh, the 500 MRR challenge. And so basically I'll personally help you add $500 in MRR within the next six months or, you get your Swipe Files membership, which is $500 for free. Um, and it's a fairly simple process for me because I'll just do a kickoff call and then the rest will be async zip messages and, uh, and emails. And at this point, you know, being able to talk with a couple of startups and being able to kind of curate or handpick from the applications, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put things in my favor of like startups that are, I can reasonably achieve that kind of growth in six months. Um, uh, but there's also the contingency of, you know, you have to do what I say basically. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, so I, I launched that last Monday and then I went through a bunch of the applications throughout the week and then sent out all the invites by Friday. And so, uh, now I've got a whole bunch. I think I, I, I didn't even look at, at the final numbers, but I'm, I'm hoping to see around 10 uh, people join the challenge. And so that'll be pretty fun and got 10 new members and we'll see how it goes. It should be, should be pretty fun. But as far as like 
the success of how many people signed up, I, I can definitely call it a, a win. Nice. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. It's like a, <laughs> it's a no-brainer to sign up for. Uh, it's basically going to pay for itself for the the Swipe Up membership. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah, really hoping, you know, keeps those people around uh, for a long time and uh, it's a value add in and of itself. And um, yeah, I've asked them to like, hey, if you have a question, instead of email me, ask it in the community, I'll see it there. I'll answer it there. But then also other people can chime in as well. And so um, it's kind of a nice excuse to engage the community further and people to get an inside look into what people are struggling with, what they're doing and how we're going through it. And so pretty excited to see how it turns out. It should be pretty fun. Yeah. seems like you could get a bunch of testimonials or case studies out of this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the other things too. I was like, well, that's so cool. if it works and you know, if, and when we achieve that goal, you have to give me a nice testimonial and you have to <laughs> give me a, a shout out on Twitter or something like that. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And maybe it's one of those things that I, that I do or run, you know, once a quarter or twice a year or something like that, even just once a year as a, another little promo uh, to spice things up and create some action. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about you? What's uh, I know it's been a little bit slower, but what's been top of mind? Yeah. Uh, definitely been slower. Definitely just uh, kind of treading water right now. I mean, overall, like I, I can't complain because I don't know, man. I I think about what it'd be like to, yeah. I, I mean, I say this for like from a very like uh, a position of extreme gratitude. Like I I can't imagine just having you know a job where you gotta be somewhere from nine to five. Um, you know whether that's in an office or, uh, you know, a store or or wherever. Like and just like trying to balance. Uh, family life and and work and all of that and so mm. just been super grateful that I have been able to stay home and help out and uh, man I see how tough it is for for working parents and um, and definitely tough too to uh, run a business and and try and grow it and and try and you know I'm hoping to add at least one or two more people this year to the team and it's like times I'm frustrated because that's sort of on hold. Like it's it's hard to do that right now. Yeah. Um, but we're hanging in there, and uh, you know, so I can't complain there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife and I were just talking about because uh, two of our friends are getting married, and uh, one of them is a flight attendant, and she's just going back to work now that things are officially going back to normal for the airlines. And, uh, so she's going to be like based out of another city and then obviously like flying all over the place with a kind of a crazy schedule. And then he's in the military and he's going to get like relocated in two years. And so then I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> We're like, you know, we have it so easy. Like we basically both work from home. I go to her work half the time during the week. She's super flexible regardless. And so. Like we just, we have it easy. I know. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. I mean, one of the perks, one of the reasons why I got into it the first place. Right. So it's not, not a surprise. Now we get to reap the benefits, right? It's, that's what we wanted. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I just, I can't believe the timing of everything and how it's worked out. Like I was able to start JetBoost when I was, uh, you know, living by myself and <laughs> had all the free time in the world. And I needed that to get it off the ground. Um, but yeah, like you said, once, once it's gotten to this point, we've been able to, to reap the benefits a little bit, which is cool. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Just feel super lucky. Speaking of, uh, reaping the benefits last Friday, I got to get lunch at a, a local indie hackers house and meet up with another one too. So it was Two local indie hackers from Tiny Seed, um, Francois and, and Curran. Francois from Cloud Forecast and Curran from uh, CallScaler. And uh, we got an intro through Tony from Cloud Forecast. And I think they had just come back from like the Tiny Seed um, retreat right before MicroConf. And uh, so they got to know each other and we're like, hey, we should all meet up, you know, find some other people in San Diego. So 
also, of course, invited them both to Indiacrity San Diego meetups and a little Slack group that we have. But, um, you know, it was also cool just being able to take a, a Friday lunchtime, you know, two hour kind of block, go to Francois's backyard, eat some pizza, some amazing pizza, by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, drink a beer, uh, talk shop, you know, get to know each other, have fun, talk about the struggles of running SAS. And I think also just in person, you know, it's, it's a different vibe being able to talk freely and maybe share stuff they wouldn't over Slack or even over a video call or at a meetup. And, um, that was really cool. And, uh, kind of a nice, refreshing, nice, refreshing way to, you know, spend some, I, I don't know. It's I, one thing I've realized is that spending time like eating with people is like a really good, just like way to socialize it's something we totally miss now that we don't like work in an office. And I remember doing like the, the shared lunches and team lunches at the first hour that I worked for. And that was really fun. And it was a good way to always have some like social, social time with everyone. And, um, so I have to be more intentional about it obviously now, but it was really nice to do it on Friday. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think the San Diego Indie Hackers group has been instrumental for me and, uh, you know, my journey. And it's just like, like you said, like meeting people in person, you're kind of able to talk more freely and, um, yeah, it's just, there's been an amazing group here and that's one of the things I'm going to miss most, uh, when I move this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. if, yeah, if anyone, uh, out there listening is in the Chicago area, uh, shoot me a DM on Twitter. Cause I'm trying to get connected to more Chicago indie hackers. So, and if not, you should start the, uh, the group or start a little meetup or luncheon or something like that. Uh, yeah. Make sure you keep that going. Yeah, I know. I know there's um, like an official one, uh, official indie hackers meetup in Chicago. Already joined that. Um, try and try and get out to one of those. But yeah, just having community, I think, is so important for what we're trying to do. Like, it's not easy. It's not easy to start a business. It's not easy to, uh, you know, even once you've started it and, and say you reach default alive, like <laughs> the challenges and the struggles never stop. So. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's super helpful yeah i also happened to meet with a bunch of marketers in san diego on tuesday as well it was um the first uh, it was a paid meetup actually but i was invited as a as a panelist I was put on by a fresh brewed tech by a guy named neil who's a local here in san diego and basically like the san diego startup guy <laughs> pretty much and he was like hey we're starting like a, a marketing meetup like once a quarter, would you want to come to the first one, be a panelist, get to know everyone, you know, talk shop. And uh, so that was pretty fun. It was at the UC San Diego um, Park and Meet, I think it's called. It's a brand new building, but it's a big like event venue. It's super nice, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And that was also pretty cool being able to talk with a bunch of the marketers and get more connected here in San Diego with kind of the startup scene and um, be able to network a little bit more broadly, even outside of our kind of bootstrapper, indie hacker, SAS Twitter circle. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. got to talk to people who are working in, uh, it was like a 3D printing manufacturing startup and uh, a healthcare tech startup and a huge broad swath of people working in all sorts of different industries and types of products. Um, but that was also pretty fun just being able to hang out, hop a couple drinks, get some tacos, which were amazing. And, uh, so last week was, was super social. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That, that, that was like the opposite of my week. I barely left my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh man. Yeah. What else, what else is going on with you? What else is top of mind for you? Uh, you can take the next one. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so one of the things that we're trying to think through for uh, for Swipewell is what is like a, I don't know, uh, a kind of a sustainable marketing channel or tactic that one is bootstrapper friendly, obviously, so it doesn't require like a bunch of money up front, but also will kind of get immediate results. Not like immediate, immediate, but where it's not super dependent on, uh, so 
Okay, let me back up for a second. SEO is something that people have largely said is like, it takes a long time. At scale, it always does. You can get shorter results. I've been somebody who've, who's talked about that on Twitter before about how it actually can be very fast and get your results faster than you think. Uh, but for Swipeo in particular, um, our SEO strategy is gonna be a little bit more like programmatic and dependent on the product. So it's kind of like further down the roadmap of what we can build and support right now. Uh, like we're not gonna be going out after, it's all gonna be like user generated content essentially. So obviously we're not doing that now. So what, what can we do kind of in the meantime to support that? So let me tell you this idea and you tell me what you think of it. But um, I saw this, well one, I had this idea for like, okay, how can we just attract the right people and also give them like a direct way to use swipe well without like just asking them to use it in a way that's kind of like awkward like it should be like a really natural kind of way so i thought what if we do a weekly roundup of hey here's one great landing page ad email or like creative piece of marketing and so you subscribe you get those four and then obviously if you want to swipe them to your swipe file you just you know use the chrome extension or you follow the link mm. or you you know we're basically like giving you like hey uh here's like a really easy excuse to go and use swipe well a weekly reminder to swipe something um and that would you know encourage product use and so it's a very like symbiotic relationship and then i saw this twitter account it's called best ads of all time it's fairly new i think i actually know who's behind it um but it was just going through like really old vintage like porsche ads and apple ads and and those kinds of ones from i don't know just the internet around you know they're kind of all over the place and uh, it just does like one a day. And so then I thought, oh, what if we had kind of like, you know, this weekly newsletter that had maybe like a best of, or it's kind of like a highlight reel. And then we had a daily Twitter feed of just swipeable content in general. You know, it doesn't have to like be like the best ads of all time. It's just, here's like one swipeable piece of marketing, one exceptional example. Uh, so you follow for that feed basically. And then again, if you want to save it, use swipe well so we're just giving people more and more excuses to use the product um so i'm like kind of work in progress title or like a name for it is the daily swipe or like the weekly swipe for the for the newsletter mm -hmm. by swipe well so it's kind of its own branded thing on twitter it'd still be under the at swipe well account but it'd be like the daily swipe by swipe well so you're not you're not following swipe well it's not like a traditional corporate account you're following it for that one particular like we're not posting product updates we're not posting mm -hmm. you know it's strictly the daily swipe on there uh and maybe we can grow it organically to you know tens of thousands of followers and have that be like a meaningful way to get in front of new people and also encourage product usage what do you think yeah first thoughts are i like that a lot uh, I think the daily content is great for Twitter. Um, I think I sometimes use Twitter wrong for Jetboost, where it's like posting infrequent updates, um, you know, kind of like big announcements that probably should be blog posts. And because it's like once they've seen it once, then it's gone. Or, or you know, probably 95% mm. of the time they miss it, you know, because most people aren't on Twitter 24-7 although some of us are, um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, posting these like just daily small hits. Um, I think that's a perfect way to grow a Twitter account. I'm seeing a lot more of those branded type Twitter accounts where it's like this account mm -hmm. is only focused on this one topic and it's going to keep, uh, yeah, there's like a, there's a joke one that's, that's coming to mind. It's like, uh, I don't know, like bros posting their W's or something like that. And like that comes yeah, up in exactly. my feed from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Stuff where it's just like, yeah, just kind of, you don't know who's behind it, but they're posting like, I mean, just like the ads one that you said, um, or, uh, VCs congratulating themselves. Mm -hmm. That one's one of my all time yep. favorites. Yep. That one's great. Uh, that so was yeah, actually, I think did this... you know that one's by, uh, Jason Calacanis? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. Yeah. I actually, would not have so... guessed that. So he, he like wanted it to, this was like, I don't know, like two years ago, maybe in like the middle of COVID, 
when it started popping off and I started gaining a huge following and then it was anonymous and everyone was like, who is behind this? And then a lot of people started getting really pissed at the account and like trying to, <laughs> to dox it and figure it out. And people were getting kind of nasty. And so he finally came out. I think this was like early on, maybe in the online podcast, I want to say I could be totally around there, but he, he kind of just like announced like, Hey, I'm not behind it, but I paid someone to do it basically. And kind of like gave them pointers and, you know, what, what to highlight and, you know, he would obviously see all the VCs congratulating themselves. Mm -hmm. And so he'd take the screenshot and be like, here, post this <laughs> and give my idea for captions and stuff like that. But I thought, I just think that's one of the, like the best, uh, I don't know. Just, I love that story and like that use of Twitter so much. Yeah. That's so good. I, yeah, I had no idea that that was him buying that. <laughs> that's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, so then anyways, they, they, something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. The the other thought, you know, and I think this is your strategy, which is great, is you're generating content for people to use the product, you mm -hmm. know. So, yeah, it's like I'm if I'm a new user to swipe well, like I might not have, I don't know, certain blogs that I read or I might not know where to find like good examples of stuff that I can mm -hmm. swipe. So yeah, that's, it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm imagining that it won't be too time consuming. I can kind of schedule a lot out in advance and batch it. And the thing I'm like most worried about is actually growing the account and making sure that we do a good job of actually making it, you know, something worth following that, you know, I don't know, just gets traction fairly quickly because if it was just at a few mm -hmm. hundred followers and it felt like a grind, then obviously it wouldn't really be worth the time or hassle. So there's a little bit of like art and luck in there probably around how to actually make it take off and having a really strong kind of early feed of, of posts and maybe even threads that will help it kind of kickstart that growth. But, um, that's a fun idea. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm also just kind of wondering like, when, when do we start doing this? I'd like to do it soon ish, but again, I, I want to make sure we're like doing everything the right way and not just, okay, let's start this thing. And then we kind of flub the launch or it feels kind of slow. And then I don't know. I want to do it the right way the first time. Yeah. Have you started another Twitter account in general, uh, other than your main one? Not really. I mean, there's a, a Swyfels account. There was a Hey Marketers account. Um, I don't use either of them like ever, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I just ask because I, I mean, I have the Jetboost account and it's more of um, just kind of highlighting how people are using Jetboost and it's pretty basic. Mm -hmm. um, but I tried starting another Twitter account where I was going to, I just wanted to talk about like dev stuff like hmm. uh you know interesting problems solved while working on Jetboost and some of the scaling things and whatnot and it was just like it felt like such a grind starting from zero. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that i like basically never even i don't even think i ever tweeted from it because <laughs> it was just like mm -hmm. so daunting to start from zero yeah uh, just shouting so. to the void yeah yeah I think that's, that's the biggest hurdle to overcome. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. Like the big obstacle, the big scary thing in front of me is like, how do we get the first thousand followers within like a week, you know? And then like keep that momentum because I think it's, it's really easy to just like spin up a new Twitter account and then like, Oh, look at this thing over here. And then only a small portion of people even go visit and only a small, small portion of those click follow. And how do you build this kind of momentum? Like you almost have to go, go viral like in your first couple of mm -hmm. posts otherwise or you're, you're kind of just waiting for that to happen then you know like mm -hmm. how how quickly how many posts does it take to go viral and get your first like big slew of followers otherwise you're out of luck yeah i mean at least the good thing for you is you do have your main account that you could try to kickstart mm -hmm. it off of so yeah yeah. yeah, and the spy files list, and uh, I can yeah. try to make a big deal about like, hey, here's a new account you can follow, and 
um, thinking about maybe, I don't know, maybe doing something around like giveaways for a swipe well or something else. I don't know. I, yeah, I need to like really think through a lot of like the launch strategy for that as well. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. This is a total tangent, but, uh, the Elon Musk Twitter news has been totally inescapable for the last few weeks. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, somebody proposed, I can't remember who it was. I saw on, on Twitter, some, uh, maybe it was a VC or something. Apology. Somebody I know where you're going with this. I don't think Elon it was him. Token? So wait, what was it? The Elon token? No. Twitter token? Okay. Tell me that first oh. and then I'll, I'll tell you this. Oh. Other <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think Bology proposed, I think you call it the Elon drop where basically all the Twitter users get airdropped a Twitter token according to like their usage or their followers or some sort of, you know, uh, metric that can kind of quantify the value that they're providing the Twitter network. Um, mm. and that would be like one, a way to kind of web three Twitter pretty early two, a way to like, uh, provide liquidity to Twitter like shareholders and users without being actually a public company. And so you're staking it private, but then it's like still kind of public because of web three and then three, it's like a way to incentivize new users and growth. Again, if everyone's waiting for like a Twitter airdrop, then everyone's going to go sign up and they're going to tell their <laughs> friends and I don't know, you know, Elon's great at generating news. And so it could be a flood of, several million tens of millions of new users possibly so that's what i was thinking you were going to reference <laughs> hmm yeah no i think i have most web3 stuff muted so <laughs> 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 I, I didn't see that one um yeah what i saw was uh i'm gonna get the numbers totally wrong now uh but it was basically the idea was for every uh it was like Twitter is free if you have under 10,000 followers and then over 10,000, you pay oh. like a dollar every, I don't know, 10,000 up to a hundred thousand. And there's like $2, you know, it's sort of like the scale increases as the number of followers you increase because the, you know, the thinking is you're getting insane value out of having a large following count, which I agree with, uh, you know, even having today, I think I have somewhere between two and 3000 followers, which is tiny, but compared to when I started and had 40, like I can already see the value and just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people reaching out via DMS or, uh, having a little bit of a, a platform to announce things and whatnot. And, uh, mm -hmm. I thought, I thought that was like a really interesting idea to charge people for the value that they're getting out of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, so uh, the critique that I've heard is that how many people actually have over a thousand followers? It might be a very, very, very small amount that you're actually kind of monetizing mm. from. Mm -hmm. And that amount might also be really small if it's, you know, $1 per month per thousand followers that you have. So you're really only monetizing, you know, substantial revenue from celebrities, really mm -hmm. high, you know, big net, uh, influencers with really like hundreds of thousands of followers, right? How many of them are those? I don't know exactly. Um, one of the other ones that I heard that I really liked was around uh, verification and around the check mark. That was one of the big things that people were talking about. Uh, Twitter blue, which is three bucks a month. We're like, how, how do they not have like a either, you know, Twitter blue version, Twitter t blue pro or Twitter black or whatever it's called. Twitter platinum where it's like you pay 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month and you get a check mark. I would do that immediately <laughs> in a heartbeat. And even if you have 50 followers, you might also do that just to like verify your identity, get the check mark. And then you have a more like legitimized account. Uh, the other one that was interesting was um, actually, so I was listening to this podcast with Michael Saylor on the life Friedman podcast. Michael Saylor is the big Bitcoin guy and, uh, founder MicroStrategy, and so he's been a very loud proponent of Bitcoin. And he actually, I, I feel like some of that, his ideas and like opinions around Bitcoin are a little bit uh, crazy <laughs> and obviously biased, <laughs> but some of them are actually really good. So this this one was interesting. 
he said that you can use the the Bitcoin Lightning Network to basically per like you can drop in, let's just say, a hundred or a thousand satoshis to um, to like get verified, and then if you sort of break any of the rules or violate any of the policies, if you create spam or basically if you you know get reported or blocked any negative behavior that can basically like be deducted from your balance that you've deposited. And then if you lose it all, then you sort of have to like keep paying in order to keep being mm. verified and drop in another hundred or thousand Satoshis or you lose it. And, um, and so Twitter can monetize through incentivizing good behavior. And that kind of also gets rid of a lot of like the spam and the bots and the bad actors um, and incentivizes really clean, good behavior, and maybe even fights against a lot of the like misinformation, bullying, um, controversial kind of tweets that attract a lot of the bad behavior that would create blocks and reports and spam and stuff like that also. Um, and so instead of like monetizing from like your power users, you, you almost monetize from like the bad actors, which I thought was, you know, they're like, they're not even mutually exclusive, right? You, you could do both. But I thought that was another interesting way that you can kind of get around that. Like, how does Twitter create more revenue and, uh, and better incentive alignment too with the users? Yeah. It's funny, man. It's one of those things where, at least for me, like I kind of got used to just like, this is the way things are with Twitter, for example. Mm. Like it's so easy mm -hmm. to fall into that. And then, oh yeah, you know, when, when someone comes in with a different perspective or just, you know, like all of a sudden, like everyone's throwing out ideas and, uh, you know, ways to improve the platform and, and pointing out some of the flaws. And it's like, yeah, there is like a lot that could be done here. Um, mm -hmm. just, yeah, it, I've been thinking about this too with JetBoost. Uh, I mean, we're coming up on three years in a few months and I know there's parts of the product that like I've gotten very used to, Noah's gotten very used to. I mean, we're in it every single day and mm. it's like at some point you kind of need to revisit that and you almost need, like there's no way to have fresh eyes again. So you need that outside perspective. Um, yeah to figure out like, okay, what parts really could use some, especially I think for new users, like we did a lot of work there in the, in the beginning days, but uh, it's been a long time since we've really taken another look at the onboarding flow and, um, you know, and, and just helping people along and, and not assuming that they know all the different things going on in JetBoost. Um, mm -hmm cause it's like second nature for us now, but <laughs> to, to like, I, I, I've been trying to remind myself that most people who are signing up today, like have just learned about JetBoost, have just heard of it. Uh, oh, the, right. Yeah. It's how to look at it just with like the copy on the website, all, all these things, like how to look at it with a fresh pair of eyes and, and not assume that they know, uh, what's going on. Mm -hmm. it's tough oh yeah I, I feel that for swipe files too i have a a list of updates and to do's around the swipe files member onboarding experience essentially where sort of trying to teach people how to find the right content according to where they're at how to engage in the community where to find things just like what to do what now that you remember what do i as the community organizer want you to do and um, it's really hard for me to dig in and do it because I'm like, it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes. And it's just been the same for so long that redoing it just feels like an icky task that I don't want to do. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just been so comfortable. I just want to like ignore it. But it's, it's needed and it's unfortunately hard the longer you've been away from those like, yeah, the longer you've been in it. Yeah. I think the, the ickiest task for me is just the JetBoost homepage. It, it's, 
it's been a while uh, i mean a, a year and a half maybe two years probably probably a year and a half since the copy's really been updated and it, you know the positioning has changed the product has changed uh but yeah it's it's tough to it's like well you know people people are still signing up so it's not horrible but you don't really know until you do the work you don't know you know what how many people could actually be signed you know could we double the sign up rate or uh, yeah you know increase by 1.5 or whatever it is you don't know until you actually do the work but it's it's hard to mm -hmm. like you said go back and revisit all that yeah yeah that was that must be why people pay uh consultants why <laughs> <laughs> i just said yeah. you know delegate it eventually you're like i can't do this you do it just have at it um i could totally see that and in fact honestly if i could do that for swipe files right now i would pay mm. you know a decent amount of money just be like fix it all rearrange it <laughs> i don't know just take it you know make it better and, and do something mm -hmm. else and call it done check the box um it's a lot different than just creating new stuff, you know, new feature, new course, new X, Y, and Z. Then you're starting from scratch and it feels easy. Mm -hmm. Going back is hard. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, maybe while we're semi close to talking about web three stuff <laughs> related to Twitter, <laughs> I'll just throw out one, one thing that was top of mind and, um, I'll just get it off my chest. Interesting thought, but uh, I've been getting more involved with Noah Bragg's NFT project called City Clash. Uh, it's actually really cool. It's still very like vague and ambiguous on what it actually is and how it'll work and uh, what what to expect. Really, like it's kind of like it's going to be play to earn and has something to do with geography and creating cities. And there's factions, so you're kind of competing against each other, but you don't that's pretty much it, right? You have to read between the lines or sort of imagine what it might be like a little bit later. But they launched um, this secondary kind of uh, precursor NFT project called City Clash Towers, which will give you an advantage later in the game once the like main collection is launched. But um, you you can mint, I think it was up to three towers, and then you can actually like merge them together, but it was free to mint. And so you sort of just like, mint them, you create them, pay like the gas fee, it was, you know, fairly small. And then you have them and, uh, and then later you'll be able to use them for your city and for your faction to give you an advantage. Um, but I was thinking, so I really liked, uh, the way that they did it. It was actually pretty nuts. So I think they, they minted it on a Friday. This is like last Friday. And, um, I was sort of late to the game. Like I was on like this early access list basically. And I was supposed to mint it before everyone else. But then like by the time I got everything set up and understand how to do it, you have to like switch to a different network. They're on this thing called Arbitrum, which is a, a layer two chain on top of Ethereum. Then um, it was already the time for the public mint. And, um, and I watched as like literally within, I think it was in like 28 minutes, all 2,500 or 3,000 um, available NFTs to mint were all minted. <laughs> wow. And so I think I got like, you know, number 400 and something or other, but then like 10 minutes after that, they were all gone. And, um, it was really cool because I got to see like, okay, they've been created this, uh, this discord and they've been creating all this hype and getting these followers doing these giveaways. And now you can just see like the amount of momentum and a lot, the amount of excitement that's happening. And now mm. I think it's, I mean, it's like a really, I think they'll probably look back on it and be like, this is one of the best things that we ever did was this free city clash towers launch because now everyone's bought in. Everyone has like skin in the game. That's People crazy. are ready. It's kind of that, uh, you know, that marketing principle of, um, commitment bias where you take one little step and then now you've set yourself, you know, on a journey or you're already in motion in that direction. And, um, so it was free to mint, which is really low barrier but it wasn't for their main collection, right? So it's not really, they really like lost out anything. I was like, oh, this is just like freemium for SaaS products, you know, where mm -hmm. you give away like a portion of your product for free or allow people to use it for a certain amount of time, like a free trial. 
but then you monetize through like the paid version through like the main thing, whatever it is that you do. And, uh, so anyways, my, my kind of catch catch line is freedom. is the new freemium for web three. <laughs> and, uh, but it's been a really cool, like, just want to give them a shout out. It's been a really cool thing to be a part of and to watch how they go about it. And, uh, it's been very successful in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, one of the big benefits of freemium is getting over that initial hurdle of sign up and not having to dig out your credit card or ask your manager, you know, to put right. it in the company card. It sounds like the process for this is even more arduous. Like you have to get on whatever you had to do to set up for this specific network and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you had, you had the big incentive that, oh, well, it's at least once I get past this big hurdle, it's free. Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. like crazy smart. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the incentives are a little bit different too, because really like, I think why freedom mint collections are so attractive too, is because people know that they can then resell them and actually make money. Right. So you mint it for free and then you sell it for a small amount, but it's pure profit, right? You're just like making money out of nothing. It's like finding, uh, you know, a toy or an item on the street and then going and selling it. Like you just, it didn't cost you anything to get that thing. And now you just made money off of it. And so people love these free to mint things, but then it really gets them bought in to the project. It gets them introduced to how this will work. Maybe this will be worth more if I keep it and if I don't sell it. And now that I have this thing, you know, what, what could be right. And then you see all the momentum too, like it sold out in 28 minutes and you're thinking, okay, well, geez, like the, the main collection is probably going to go really well then. Like it's a, it's a nice trial mm-hmm. run to create this excitement and people being like, Oh shoot, this thing's for real. Whereas I've been a part of a couple NFT launches now that kind of fizzled out. Um, mm. and they create a lot of, you know, they had tens of thousands of discord members, a lot of anticipation, a lot of hype, and then only a couple hundred people mint, uh, an NFT. And then everyone sees that lack of momentum and then they, they pull back and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, yikes. I don't know if I want to be minting if no one else is minting, right? Everyone's kind of looking at each other like, what's everyone going to do? And how's this going to work? And how is it going to go? But that freedom in really creates that, that momentum early on to show that, you know, this thing has legs and it's exciting and you want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying with the Twitter account where if you don't go viral, early on it's really hard it's like yeah if you don't create that snowball effect then everyone's bailing yeah exactly yeah so i've been i've been taking notes in one of my um just in my apple notes i just have a note that says like web3 slash nft marketing playbook just trying to take notes on like what people are doing and how it works and what seem to be some of the normal tactics and uh, before i kind of had this list of like okay you build wait lists you do giveaways, partnerships, competitions, and then you create some like scarcity around uh, an allow list or a whitelist to actually mint. And then that can be the thing that kind of, well, the people on the whitelist have earned it. Now they'll go and use it. And people will do things and share the account and I'll create more Discord users to earn a whitelist. But I think actually whitelists are a little bit like out of vogue now. They're kind of, um, people created too much scarcity. And so then you don't have enough people in the funnel to mint in order to sell out the collection and create the momentum that you need. And Mm -hmm. so now I see it as like, okay, build wait lists, do giveaways, partnerships, competitions, do a free to mint secondary collection. And then that leads into like a pre-sale of the main collection. But having that first free to mint secondary collection is the thing that builds the momentum and, uh, really primes the main collection sale. Hmm. I feel like this is going to be one of those things where you tell me about it now on the podcast. It's kind of like the, what was it? The constitution Dow. Yeah. And then like <laughs> six months or a year from now, you're going to be like, yeah, so yeah. I made, you know, 50 grand off that thing or <laughs> I'm like, great. Man, I hope so. Yeah. I hope it's city clash. That'd be, that'd be great for, uh, for Noah and for drew and, for me, obviously, um, there was, so this is, it's not even related to this, but it's also pretty cool. Just admiring kind of the way that they've thought through it, but, um, you can merge 
your towers that you mint to make larger towers. So you take two of your single floor towers and you merge them and then it creates a two floor tower. And then you take your two floor tower and you merge it with a eight floor tower and now you get a 10 floor tower. And the higher tower, the more advantage you have for which city you put that tower in eventually. Again, we don't know mm-hmm. all the details how it's gonna work. Um, but uh, it was it was kind of evident like, okay, larger tower equals better. <laughs> like everyone just needs to build <laughs> larger towers. And so then it creates all this uh, kind of pressure where everyone's merging their towers. So it shrinks the supply and it makes each one of them more scarce and unique. Um, but then it also, it starts to show like, okay, people are, you know, like we're looking at the green faction and the green faction is, that's my faction. You know, they have a whole bunch of tall towers and then the red faction is like, oh shoot guys, like we need to start merging our towers and we need to create, we need to get more towers. And so they, then they're buying off the secondary. And so it creates this, these really like healthy buying mm-hmm. dynamics for the whole collection. And, um, like there was this guy, Kevin, who, uh, in the discord, he, he bought a whole bunch of towers. He built the first hundred tower, hundred flower, hundred floor tower in city clash. And, um, so all the other factions saw that and they were like, guys, we have to get our stuff together. <laughs> so then they started buying everything else too and making their tall towers. And all of us in green are like, yes, we have Kevin. He has the hundred floor tower. Wow. Um, so anyway, like all these new, like this would never exist in any other paradigm besides web three, you know? So it's interesting to see how it all works together. Yeah. So with everything that's happening these days, you know, stocks seemingly down every day. Uh, Bitcoin, I feel like it's been trending down somewhere in the upper thirties now. NFTs have, have they haven't imploded yet? Like it's, it sounds like it's still going strong, which is shocking to me. Yeah, kind of. I think the, the general sentiment is that now people are a lot, it's a lot less, uh, like just wild west for NFTs where people are launching stuff left and right. And people are just minting stuff like crazy. Like people are very careful now, I think with which projects they get involved in and how they work. And it's definitely like only the top, you know, there's like this top 100 or even like top 50 lists of NFT projects that have really taken the reins as like, okay, these are the blue chip NFTs is what people call them. And like, these are the stable ones. So then like mm. 90% of the activity and the hype and the transactions and, um, and the chatter happens around those 50 and like none of the new ones. And if there, if there mm-hmm. is a new one, like it's kind of a long road and like maybe less excitement and it's a little bit more niche. And then you'll see one of them kind of like skyrocket up into the top 50, but it's rare. You know, it's not like everyone, it's not like everyone is doing a lot of interesting things. It's really only kind of the cream of the crop. Um, so I think it's the activity has definitely gone down a lot. Uh, but I think it's just kind of a new era, you know, like the, the kind of industry, if you want to call it, that is maturing. Like it's definitely not yeah. a surprise. Yeah. I was going to say that, it sounds like it's becoming more mature. That's the word that comes to mind because that's how mm-hmm. it always ends up with everything, right? Like, yeah. you know, whatever 10% or 20% of the whatever ends up doing 80 to 90% of the results. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think maybe we'd even talked about it before, but there's something like there's more NFTs than there are web pages now. Um, oh, wow. But then uh, there was something like it was like 99. Nine nine percent of NFTs that exist technically, uh, like don't have an owner. <laughs> so you're like what people mm. see and what actually gets bought is a really, 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 really tiny fraction of what's actually out there. And, um, and the amount of people buying them is also really small, even though there's a lot of buzz around it. There's really only, I think, um, you know, it was just like a few hundred thousand like unique NFT holders own, you know, like that 99.99% of NFTs that were minted, like that it exists, you know, it's a very small portion of people own a very small portion of the total amount of NFTs out there. So 
Um, I realize it's just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have the capacity to focus on that right now. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's super cool that uh, cause Noah and Ben are doing it together, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I don't I don't know how involved Ben is these days. Okay. Uh, it's Noah for sure and Drew, his old co-founder for his like coffee app startup. Um, it's them two. I think Ben's been involved and is involved. And there's a couple other people too that they work with, like some designers and illustrators and whatnot. Um, but for sure, Noah and Drew, like the, the top honchos. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think it's super cool that they put in the time and effort to learn that space and you know i i guess i i haven't seen an, an update in a while but i know noah was doing well with potion and you know building a SaaS product and all of that and to then like make this big shift to me that's like super cool it's it's impressive uh <laughs> i'm like totally stuck in the i mean not stuck but <laughs> totally way out in the in the SaaS world right now and and not um, <laughs> moving anywhere else anytime soon but it's awesome Web two for life yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i talked to him a couple months ago and he was like yeah it's like nft project that we're working on it could be like over by the summer or it could be like a full-time thing we have no idea that's crazy <laughs> like, wow <laughs> you know it really is kind of like that you're like well this could just fizzle out or it could like take over your life and be really successful. Uh, the way it's trending now, I think that it might be a big part of Noah's day and sort of what he's been stuck yeah. on going forward. But that's how it is with everything, right? Like you never know yeah, what it's going to be like, you know, when I sent you the <laughs> JavaScript snippet to, add a search to your job board. Like I didn't imagine that would end up being my full-time thing, but here we are now. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's just like put stuff out there and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I will say, even though you don't have the capacity to really be in it, just do one thing, just read the milk road, uh, Sean Mm. Perry's newsletter. Mm -hmm. So good. Just gives you like the lay of the land. I read it every day. Habitually comes out five days a week, just on the weekdays. But, uh, super well-written, super short, it takes five minutes. And if you read the milk road, you'll be in the know on web three stuff. Mm. Wow. Okay. I'll, I'll put a link to, with my, uh, with my referral link. So I get some bonuses too <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Any other thoughts before we wrap? I feel like that's, that's a good episode for today. Cool. Yeah catch up again next time talk through some other items maybe more to share uh some exciting stuff if we can but um yeah otherwise we'll have links and mentions to as much as we can remember in the show notes and we'll see you next time